Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, good afternoon to you. This is The Call. Wonderful to be here with you to cover 10 stocks that you've picked. Those are companies you've told us you want an expert opinion on, and we'll do it over the course of an hour with my two expert guests, Gaurav Sodhi from The Intelligent Investor and Daniel Ortizi from The Stock Doctor. Good afternoon to you both. Gaurav, I'll start with you. We're in a little bit of a no man's land period, very quiet on the economic front this week as well. What in your view, is driving sentiment right now. And I know you're not a big sentiment guy, but you know, where do investors sort of look to to make their next moves as we move toward the end of the year? Yeah, look, I always think it's a mistake to start looking at other people for signals about what you should do as an investor. I mean, if you should have a game plan, um, a list of stocks that you know and understand, and the game for most people should really be waiting for those stocks to fall at attractive valuations or researching new ideas and I don't think that changes um, you know despite whatever the market's doing I, I do think when in times of turmoil it is a bad idea to start researching that research effort needs to happen beforehand and you know with as bad as things might seem now we are in a period of relative calm there's no great crisis in the world things aren't falling apart banks aren't breaking um so this is not a bad time to go off and start researching some of the businesses you might be interested in that's certainly what i've been doing and what the rest of the ii team has been doing um, because when a crunch comes if a crunch comes i'm certainly not forecasting one but if something breaks then at least then you have a plan of action um, to move into and I think when we get these crisis points in history, and we do get one every 10 years or so, you cannot let that crisis go to waste. That's where so many of your returns come from, and you must be prepared to act. So in these moments where things are difficult but not uh, broken, these are preparation periods. You need to use these these times wisely. Ooh, okay, Daniel, how busy are you right now? you know, getting to fundamentals, getting to bottom-up stock analysis. Like, I know that's your reason for being there at the Stock Doctor, but, um, you know, I think that in this time of the year, it can be a bit uh, daunting to sort of make any big changes at the same time as well. Yeah, look, we're certainly not making any drastic changes to our portfolios or stock selection criteria or anything like that, Nadine. Probably sort of a similar sentiment to Gaurav in terms of you, you want to have that playlist or at least that that kind of watch list or that group of stocks that you, you're comfortable with and perhaps you might be waiting on valuation. Um, perhaps you might be waiting on some underlying um, sentiment or, or tailwind to unfold within the business directly. So, you know, the, the way we're looking at markets at the moment in general, there's obviously been a pretty vicious, um, you know, rollback this month in terms of equity market performance. A lot of that driven off the back of the inflation data in the US. You know, if you do, uh, do a bit of digger, uh, deeper digging on that inflation data in the US, some things perhaps were a little bit over uh, inflated as it seems in terms of to the downside, particularly some of the the way that they were accounting for the um, the health insurance premiums there as well. So all in all, you know, our views haven't really changed too much. We're still relatively bearish. And last week on the show when I was with David Lane, you know, I was talking about the fact that, you know, we're not playing the valuation game here. We're not simply looking at cheap stocks because they're numerically cheap. Um, that that's something we're not looking to do and potentially catch a re-rate into a into a rising market where we're still very much focusing on trying to pick our high quality companies uh, and riding those out throughout the cycle here Nadine. Got it all right there's a bit of strategy for you folks just to get us going before we get to the stock of the day let me just take you across the companies we will be discussing origin energy well that's an interesting one because we all know what's going on with brookfield asset management and the consortium that's looking to take over the company deep yellow look there's a lot of enthusiasm for uranium even today paladin is one of the best uh, performers on the day today 
Um, we've got COSL, COS as the ticker code. We've got Spirit Technology in the small, small tech space here in Australia, as Infotech is one of the better performing sectors today. And Aura Banda Mining, never heard of it. We might learn something today. Um, but the stock of the day is in the bigger end of town, let's say safely, and it is the ASX because it has come out this morning saying that it's completed its reassessment of the chess replacement project. So you know that this has been just a thorn in the ASX's side and many of its stakeholders as well, to be honest, who've spent millions of dollars for something that is yet to eventuate. So ASX saying that it has decided to proceed with a product-based solution to be delivered by a global tech provider, Tata Consultancy Services. The project will now move to the next phase of the detailed design and implementation process, with the first release estimated to cost between $105 and $125 million. That's on top of what's already been spent, let's be clear. Further stakeholder consultation over the beleaguered project will begin in the first quarter of 2024, with the indicative time frame for the first release, 2026, ASIC has responded saying that it is a foundational step in getting the chess replacement program back on track. ASX says that it will, um, yeah, and ASIC saying that it will need to ensure the existing chess system continues to operate securely and with integrity. All right, let's get a view from both of my guests on the ASX. I'm going to start with you on this one, Gaurav. So, look, it is a market stalwart, pretty much a monopoly, but it has really bungled this chess project, which is a massive capex drain on the company. Yep, uh, it, it's uh, it's been a huge disaster for the business, and on top of that, you can count some cyclical issues as well affecting the business. There's certainly fewer IPOs, M um, and A is taking away from the number of stocks listed, and those listing fees are a really important part of the revenue stream of, of the business. I haven't seen the chart for a while, but geez, that's quite instructive, isn't it? This, this. Let's remind everyone: this is a blue chip monopoly. It's, it's not the kind of price action we're used to seeing from what everyone roundly agrees is a high quality business. And there's two lessons to take from that. One is that valuation always matters, and that you can pay too high a price even for the best quality business. And the second is that every business goes through its troubles, no matter how strong its moat. No matter how impregnable it appears, problems happen. And um, ASX is going through one now. The price does look appealing. Um, if you, The margins have halved in this business. The returns have halved over the last few years. And a lot of that has to do with the cyclicality and the specific project problems that the company is going through. If you believe that um, that's going to pass, and, and I think there's good reason to think that because – the fundamental competitive position of the business remains strong. Um, if it can restore its its prior margins or get close to them, really, without even touching them, um, I think there's value on offer. I'm too chicken to, to jump in at this stage and, and buy um, because we've been disappointed with this. We haven't owned it for a long time and we've hesitated about buying it just because it seems to be a bit of a, bit of a, a, a chaos boat at the moment internally. And... <laughs> I just want to see a bit more stability from the um, from this project side of things, um, and so I am happy to give up some returns uh, to do that. This is not the kind of business going to rock your socks, but um, it is a high quality business. I think it remains one um, deeply unloved. Um, I'm happy to hold it right now. Braver investors might be compelled to, to nibble at it, and I don't think um, that's a bad decision at all. But for me, I'm, I'm happy to hold. Okay, got it. Thank you. Gaurav, Daniel, do you see it any differently? I mean, could there be further consolidation in the big, uh, you know, exchange space? Could there be a foreign buyer? You know, we've got SIBO, of course, Australia here as well, muscling its way or trying to into the scene. Yeah, look, I think that's always been a bit of a call out or a, a bit of an attraction point, the takeover appeal and the quality of its assets. And, you know, we've owned the stock for a long time and we, we rode it all the way up during the speculation boom of 21, 22. And we've unfortunately rode it all the way back down to these levels. So, you know, we'd certainly be happy with the hold. We're, we're not playing it for that takeover thesis at all. I think the way we're viewing the stock, similar to Gaurav, is that we, we've under, we've done the work. We understand now the issues that they're having on a top line level. So from a revenue point of view, those cyclical factors that Gaurav has mentioned, it's IPO volumes, which are a pretty big swing factor in terms of top line growth and profits because it's high margin. And the second thing is also the volume 
volumes, not only on on equity volumes, but um, over the over the market, um, over the counter um, securities and, and interest rate speculation as well, um, which is a pretty big volume drive for the ASX. And those have really been a little bit dim, perhaps with the interest rate expectation changing story in the US. It could bring back a bit of volume. We'll have to wait and see that volume story. Uh, but all in all, you know, it probably just does come back to a bit of a valuation story here. And I think the fact that this morning's announcement, it, it actually just showed the change in strategy. So previously, um, the, the prior management team wanted to build that blockchain um, that blockchain program out and manage the chess program. Uh, the, the big key difference here, not only the type of technology that they're wanting to, to use, but the key differences here is now that they're partnering with a global IT partner who will actually help design and build it for them. So I, I don't think the ASX is going to own the IP and incur those development costs, which means it shouldn't be as costly and they're working with a partner, but the trade-off to that is that they won't be owning the infrastructure or the IP. Uh, I think that's what the announcement is kind of guiding to. And potentially that's the right thing to do at this point in time because they'd have so much heightened scrutiny on them from the regulators as well. So we actually think it's it's, it's a relatively positive step uh, in terms of management direction. And uh, yeah, the stock is up you know, low percentage points today. So perhaps the market agrees with that. Um, but yeah, we're certainly watching it quite closely. But uh, similar to Gore, I'm probably just happy with the hold here. I, I don't think there's enough in terms of underlying tailwinds to, to, to generate a buy idea on this stock at the moment. Uh, but it does look relatively, you know, relatively attractive from a whole point of view. Thank you, guys. I, I tell you what, though, I, yeah. I reckon the fact that we both kind of um, like the business, but are too chicken to stick our necks out on it. Probably tells you now is the right time to buy. You know, mm-hmm. the, I always think that the stock that has that ick factor that you don't want to touch and that you just look like an idiot if you buy it now and, and you're wrong again. Um, those are often good ideas. So the setup here is pretty good, but that doesn't change my view. I'm still too chicken. Yeah, once bitten, twice shy is I yeah, think yeah. what uh, what we say. <laughs> All right, guys, thanks for that. I think on this stock, I think everyone's been bitten more than once on the ASS. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, let's get into the companies that have been picked by our viewers. And the first one is Origin Energy, picked by Les. Now, I can't read Les's mind, but perhaps he's already an existing shareholder wondering what is going on, you know, being advertised to by the consortium saying they need to accept this offer. It's the best. It's the final. We've got Origins chairman today out in the media saying that there will be no knee-jerk reaction or radical reassessment of its structure if the $20 billion takeover deal with Brookfield and the uh, EIG consortium is voted down this week because it really is crunch time uh, for this takeover, which came out of nowhere, you know, sort of this time last year. It wasn't highly rumored. You know, nobody sort of knew that it was coming. It's had to go through a very long protracted process. Um, What happens to Origin shareholders this week if it's rejected, Daniel, or if it is accepted? Yeah, so, you know, similar to, I guess, other companies which have been under takeover offer and it's had a fail, a failed bid, you know, I'd probably anticipate the share price to react quite negatively towards that. But we've already seen the share price detract pretty significantly of that 950 consideration price. So there's clearly growing skepticism around the offer and no no doubt that's due to Oz Super's uh, accumulation of the stock. I think they're approaching either 17 or 18% now. Scheme of arrangement, you need 75% shareholder vote. So they, they obviously hold a pretty significant chunk there and will be leading that no vote. So that's kind of the short-term implications if you're a shareholder here. Um, you know, we, we haven't we haven't owned Origin for quite some time. We've been out of the stock, so we haven't followed the transactions closely. But I actually think potentially, you know, might not be the worst outcome for shareholders. I've got to admit, I think it is a very fair price to pay. And a lot of the earnings upside in recent years have probably been driven by APLNG. So driven by much better kind of production outcomes there, delivery outcomes and, and gas prices as well. But as well, the, the the kind of core energy markets business has been performing, you know, a lot a lot better than I previously remembered Origin to perform. So I actually think there's a pretty good business here, um, and perhaps because of that takeover offer, there hasn't been as much consideration into the recent results and and business quality. And I know from an accounting point of view, I, I mean, I hate looking through Origin's books because uh, yeah. of the way they they report <laughs> the equity account investments and all the cash flows coming in from from those different investments. It can be a bit of a pain to mm-hmm. try and figure out 
the underlying results and the capital that they're outlaying for these projects as well. So it, it is tricky. Um, but if I was a shareholder and, and even what I've been saying to the team is perhaps if this deal doesn't go through, let's take a really good look at this company because it could be something to actually consider bringing in if it does re-rate to the downside, which I, I think will happen if the bid doesn't go through here, Nadine. Okay, so this is watch list material in the case the bid fails. Interesting. Um, Gaurav, I don't know how familiar you are, but I agree with you, Tantil, when um, Origin you know, releases results at the half year and full year, it takes some time to go through it. Um, and then, yeah, like last time, we didn't pay quite so much attention as we had in the past because there was this offer on the table. However, that being said, Gaurav, lots of people have talked about its stake in Octopus Energy. So this is a renewable company and it increased its stake. I think it owns about 20% equity interest. It's a UK-based technology and energy firm. And, you know, it's expanding. So there are some that say if this deal doesn't go through, it's okay because Origin has the jewel of the crown Octopus Energy and then maybe they'll do something with it. Yeah, you're right to point to Octopus Energy. I think that is the X factor. That's probably the piece that's causing the disagreement between the parties. Um, uh, look, I'm actually an analyst on Origin, and I've covered this stock for about 10 years, and I completely sympathize with Daniel's dilemma there. This <laughs> is probably the most complicated stock on my coverage list, maybe one of the most complicated stocks I've, I've looked at. And um, I think too often investors kind of um, breeze through this and, and without stopping to understand and appreciate how freaking expensive, how complicated this thing is. And it's been blessed by having honest and competent management for a long time because it's very easy to do devious, sneaky things in the company like this. And I would say props to, to management for a long time. They've actually been pretty decent and um, helping um uh, show what's really happening in this business. The the big thing that's changed over the last 10 years since I've covered the stock, and we've written about this extensively at Intelligent Investor, is that the energy market has been completely disrupted by rooftop solar and the integrated um, energy business model no longer works. So Origin was terrifically profitable and probably at its peak when it was um, generating power and retailing power um, as an integrated business. Uh, but, but rooftop power uh, kind of make, means that you're, you're, you're generating electricity at the point of use. And so it, it, it breaks that connection between the generation and the retail of, of power. And it, it actually, um, it, it makes the whole business less profitable. And you can see that with AGL and Origin, and you can it's not an Australian phenomenon, you can see it all over the world. Um, you know, a stat that I always pull out is that um, the businesses that lost the most money in the GFC were not banks, it was actually European um, power companies um, who had to break up their um, their vertical integrated business models because of uh, of this phenomena of, uh, of, um, of rooftop, rooftop solar. And so that's not going away. So I think something has to be done about Origin. And, and my solution has always been that this business needs to be broken up. Um, there's a lot of value in the in the LNG venture that Origin holds, and I'm less enthusiastic about the retail operation. I think the generation fleet is now worth a lot less than it was, and that's a permanent state of affairs. The retail business is extremely competitive. Australia has the highest churn rates for energy in the world. Victorian churn rates are 25%. That means one in four of your customers change every year which is just very expensive to replace but that APLNG business i think that's probably worth six seven bucks a share i reckon the rest of the business is probably worth two bucks a share um but the x factor is origin is this octopus energy and i don't know what that is worth but if you look at what the private market transactions are for, for equity in octopus energy it could be worth like three dollars a share or so to origin so it i think there is potentially additional value here i can see why Australian Super and Co are being so spunky about the the takeover, um, and uh, I love to see a big, um, normally very conservative conservative shareholder go kind of activist on this. I'm, I'm quite encouraged by that. Um, but for me, I don't know really what to do with their Octopus stake. It's um, it's a private market transaction that may or may not reflect the full value of that business. I'm happy to sell this at nine dollars, where I think um, you get full value. That's probably and um, that's probably not going to happen. I, I think this either goes way below nine dollars or it goes way over nine dollars. Um, so uh, if uh, what I've said to to clients is that um, I reckon just sell half and hang on to half. Um, there's a good chance um, uh, that it actually falls a lot lower than this, and and at that stage we might look at it again. 
but um, if it goes above nine dollars, then um, then you still get exposure to um, whatever Australian Super has planned for forage and energy. All right. Okay. Interesting. Thank you. I'm glad we asked. Let's get on to the next one on the list, though, shall we? And that is Deep Yellow, and this is by picked by Matt. So, Daniel, you're a uranium bull. Well, we, we had a good chat about uranium last time we we're on the show together. So, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. p- perhaps for a bit more of a deep dive on on at least our views on, on supply and demand and the uranium spot price, perhaps might be worth going in and visiting our last episode. So I won't, I won't get into those details too much, but certainly the markets are very bullish uranium. And uh, I, you know, I, I've never witnessed so many people talking about um, the transition to, to nuclear power. And obviously, I think for the from an environmental point of view and a baseload power generation point of view, it's, there's a lot of great merits uranium and and um you know I'm, I'm certainly a supporter of that view but looking at the equity prices at the moment and what they're pricing in you know are probably not too great of a supporter so looking at deep yellow you know they do have you know a very strong management team i think they were part of paladin when they built their project in namibia so they're trying to repeat that success um they have they have the project another development project in namibia which has decent economics from my point of view looking through um their feasibility studies but i think it's a little bit out of date so they'll probably have to you know do some recalculations on the capex costs there i know the inflation in africa hasn't been as much as wa uh, but there certainly will have to be some considerations there it, it does look like the equities pricing in you know probably closer to something like a hundred dollars a pound uranium at the current valuation so from from my point of view it's a little bit rich i know they have a second project in wa um, which is another issue in itself i know it has clearance to go through um, because at the moment kind of the development of uranium projects and mining is actually banned in wa but this is one of the few projects that was given um, concessional approval when when the government changed there so yeah, the, there is genuinely good prospects here and and like when we spoke about boss last time you know there's good prospects here the projects look okay from an economic point of view but you can just back solve the valuations and and see that they're pricing in much higher spot prices which you know, as a resource investor, you know, I, I always struggle to justify that unless there's, you know, something really attractive on the table, like an obvious consolidation or, you know, an obvious resource expansion or something like that. So, you know, I think we'd probably prefer to be selling and taking profits. Um, if you want to get exposure to the space, perhaps now the time even to look at some of the physical uranium trusts um, to just follow the spot price if you're that bullish. Mm-hmm. Uh, but from my point of view, I'd be taking some profits from the equity space. Thanks. How about you, Gaurav? Would you take profits if you have been lucky enough to make some money from this enthusiasm? Yeah, look, let, let, let's take a step back for a moment and um, and look at uranium. I mean, the reason I, I like investing in, in resource companies is... I mean, I, I, I actually do like rocks and geology, to be honest, but that's not the reason I, I invest in resource companies. I, I, I invest in mining stocks because there is no other sector in the ASX that provides the opportunity for consistent and repetitive, reliable mispricing. And I think you're seeing that in uranium as well. There's a there's a very clear story about uranium. Um, and by the way, we saw this in lithium last year. You know, um, last year, everyone on the show Everyone in Australia was uh-huh. buying lithium stocks. I was inundated with um, with call. I, mean, I was at the swimming pool and people were asking me about lithium stocks. You know, <laughs> um, I couldn't get out. <laughs> everywhere Awkward. I went. All I heard was lithium, <laughs> and we we completely bypassed that. We we instead made um, a whole bunch of money on coal. Thank you very much. Um, but we didn't touch lithium stocks, and and lithium prices are now down eighty percent. And I, look, I, 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 I regale this story partly to boast and, and partly because um, this is this is what happens in, in mining stocks. Um, people get overly excited. There's a euphoria and a rush and um, and pricing loses all touch with reality. And I, I don't think we're quite there with uranium, but we're getting there with uranium. Pricing is very quickly losing touch with reality. I, I remind you, Nadine, or not you, Nadine, but everyone mm. who's watching that there's um. It, uranium is 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 almost like magic. It is an immensely powerful source of of power. In fact, the entire world's um, consumption of uranium, although the f- production of uranium oxide is only sixty thousand tons, sixty thousand tons. Um, so that that covers about four hundred uranium reactors. There are there are three hundred uranium reactors currently planned or proposed. So even if we double the, the demand for uranium. Heck, triple it. Let's triple the demand for uranium, right? 
So we go from 60,000 tons to what, 200,000 tons? That means we have to add 100 to 150,000 um, tons of material um, in, in a wildly bullish scenario. 100 to 150 tons of material. That is not a lot of material to dig up. Olympic Dam has 2 million tons of uranium resources in the ground. You know, I've seen bull markets in mining before, and we've been living through one over the last 20 years in iron ore. In iron ore, iron ore exports from Australia in 2000 were 150 million tons, and last year they were 900 million tons. That's what a, a resources boom looks like. You know, you, you sort of 10x your, your output, and the physical um, export of material um, rises exponentially, um, sort of, uh, what, 600, 800 million tons of extra material. And the drive to get all that out of the ground and into the um, into suppliers um, is is where the higher prices comes from. It doesn't come from an extra 100,000 tons of material. Look, I just think the market here is too small. There are so many mines sitting idle just waiting for slightly higher prices. And look, you might get higher prices over the next year or two, maybe even three years, you might see slightly higher prices. You might see considerably higher prices, but I'm pretty confident you won't see the sort of um, big mining boom that we've seen in, in, in iron ore um, replicate in uranium simply because there is a lot of uranium and we don't need much of it. Um, as I said, we probably need an extra 100,000 tonnes, and that's just, it's, it's, it's a pittance in mining terms. You know, we are so good at taking stuff out of the earth processing it and getting it to where it needs to go. We've done this many, many times before, and I don't see an issue getting an extra 100,000 tons out of the ground. I'm not a uranium bull. I do think there's money to be made. You know, I do abide by their old um, George Soros um, mm -hmm. um, uh, argument that when you see a, a boom, don't run from it, join in. <laughs> and I think um, if you want to be uh, cute, um, you could join in what is a irrational uranium boom. Um, but if you want to be sensible, you can happily sit this one out. Um, there's nothing wrong with these projects. Um, I, I'm not a great fan of the management team, but they do have a track record. Um, I, I, this is perfectly fine if you want to sit through it. But, but understand what you're doing here. This is pretty irrational speculation, and it's an avoid from me. Thank you. All right. We've been schooled. Let's get on mm -hmm. to the next company on our list, and that is COS. It's Cozzle. This has been picked by Alex. A little bit of context. He says, this seems to be an interesting small cap with its combination of proprietary software and IT services. He reckons the fundamentals are sound. Uh, they've been making acquisitions, but he thinks they seem sensible and aligned to the core business. There has been some dilution, so not how not sure you know just how much that matters for a company of this size and maturity. We'd be interested to hear your view if this is a small cap IT company worth watching, Gaurav. I have never heard of this stock, um, and this fascinated me actually. I didn't really know what to make of this. I was looking through the numbers. Um, so Cosol is a um, it does um, asset management software. Um, so if you have large capex going into things like power generation or, or, or big capital items, you need to manage those assets over a, a long number of years. Um, and this, they, these guys provide software to help you manage those assets. Um, so it's a software business. And the first thing I noticed about um, this business was it has really low gross margins, really low EBITDA margins. It looks nothing like a software business. The best software businesses would be doing 80% gross 30, 40, 50% um, EBITDA margins. Um, this business does 25% gross and 15% EBITDA margins. Uh, yeah, look, I couldn't really figure it out. So it doesn't look, the, the results don't look like a, like a um, software business. And it, like maybe it's a bad software business, but then I look at the revenue growth, it's growing revenue pretty substantially. Um, the management and board are well credentialed and that gives me pause. I mean, if this was a management or a board that I didn't know or didn't recognize or didn't respect, that might be something. But um, there are people here who've done stuff and are pretty well credentialed. So I, 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 I'm going to say that I probably, there's probably some um, 
some stuff going on in this business I don't quite understand. I, I, I can see they've made a lot of acquisitions. Um, there's, there's possibly some accounting anomalies here that I don't quite get. The cash flows all over the place. These are not great traits. This is not something I'd rush into and buy, but it's a good management team in an interesting space, um, incredibly complicated. I'm going to be charitable and say I probably don't understand this business all that well and one needs to spend a lot more time with it. Um, and it does look kind of interesting. Um, but, but from a very quick look, um, you can probably in, enjoy the ASX without ever having to invest in this business. But if you do like complexity or you're curious about software stocks, this is probably one to sit down and try and figure out. Um, it's probably what I'm going to do. I'm going to try and sit down and figure this one out because I haven't figured it out yet. I'm going to mm. say, um, don't know. I'm the hold and, and wave my hands in the end. So I don't know. But um, it's an interesting suggestion. And, and thank you for bringing it up. Great, wonderful. Well, anything to add, Daniel? Yeah, I think I think on the on the gross margin side, it's it's the first thing that you can clearly see um, that it doesn't have those really high gross margins. And looking at the presentations and you know looking at the website to try get a bit of a better understanding on what they actually do, uh, I don't think they actually have too much of their own kind of owned IP software that they're providing. I think they actually might be um, partnering or a bit of an add-on as a tool with partners. Um, ah, in, okay. In those big, large software partners like SAP, um, forgetting some of the other names. I think SAP is probably the main one they plug into because a lot of the data is captured um, on those systems. So uh, I think it's actually mainly one of those kind of add-ons there, Gaurav. But you're okay. right. I think okay. they do focus on some of their, their software and services that they're building. And th that word managed service provider always comes up. And when you see that word, it typically means very labor intensive, like you need the right mm. support staff um, right. to service those contracts. And I think that's where we're getting um, the low gross margin. I'm, I'm sure a lot of those employee costs would be considered kind of direct costs for a gross margin reporting point of view. So, but like what I've said, the thing that stood out to me was certainly the management and the board. And I think management's kind of been here and done that. They've previously sold um, another listed MSP provider. I think it was ASG Group for a few hundred million dollars to a, to a Japanese company. So, you know, mm. they, they, they clearly have experience in the space. I noticed that a lot of the work that they've been getting since listed um, is actually in the resources space. So I think that's come as well from a few acquisitions of, of small complementary business. So from my point of view, it's probably more of a roll-up story, potentially management looking to create a wider group and packages up for another sale. Um, you know, like what I've said, you definitely want to understand the strategy there going forward. I will note that, um, you know, looking at the last few results, they've done a good job, certainly from a cash flow conversion point of view, uh, but they've actually paid out, you know, a little bit of dividends and, and and haven't really reduced the gearing you know i probably would have thought given the inside ownership and and strategy yeah. of the roll-up you'd, you'd like to continue reducing that gearing so you can continue the rollout strategy and perhaps you know that's their view of their stock price that they'd like to um they'd like to use their stock price as an arbitrage to raise money to acquire so like all right there's there's a lot of things here that are interesting um going on certainly one to watch uh but i, I don't have enough confidence as well to, to give it a buy at this point in time mm, thank you look i hope that does help you um yeah thanks for bringing this to our attention Alex, all right, let's get to the next one on the list. So this is Spirit Technology, ST1 is the ticker code here. This is for Brody. So this is basically telecommunications, but more likely enterprise IT services, from what I understand, going into um, business. Uh, I think it's had a little bit of a rejig in its strategy as well. Daniel, Spirit Technology? Uh, and this is a good example of when a roll-up story goes wrong. Yeah. Uh, I think with Spirit <laughs> Technology, I remember a few years ago they were highly acquisitive um, in the space mm. and uh, mm. certainly kind of painting themselves as as you know a, a competing kind of group in in the managed services space as well. And uh, clearly, I, I haven't followed it too much since then, but things haven't gone its way. I, I, I looked at the accounts and. Um, you know, one of the one of the first things that stood out to me, and this is never what you want to see when you're when you're an acquisitive company, but forty five million dollar impairment that wrote off basically a huge acquisition that they've done, wrote off the goodwill to zero. Um, clearly, that business was losing a lot of a, a lot of clients. You know, I think they were loss making as well the year after they acquired it. So that's probably the reason why the share price has suffered so much, uh, and they do have debt on the balance sheet. So they've been forced to sell other parts of the business which perhaps did have value, whether it's an asset value or, or it's an earnings value, that they've, they've been forced to sell them off and almost restart uh, from scratch. So from my point of view, 
even when I look at the balance sheet now um, in FY23, I think I saw $50 million of net assets, so not including the intangibles, which clearly I don't think you can put any value on the intangibles at the moment. Um, and and they actually had a, a, a almost negative equity when you include some of the debt there. So, yeah, we, we wouldn't be in the stock. Um, it looks like one of these situations where a lot of things have gone wrong potentially could be a turnaround story now i think we'd much prefer to wait on the sidelines uh and and watch with a with a watchful eye but don't think we can be in this stock at the moment okay so that's an avoid gaurav i feel like you're going to agree uh, I'm, I'm 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 laughing because geez daniel is such a a, a nice gentleman he's so polite um <laughs> He's being so charitable to this is a this is a disaster. What 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 mayhem has has management wrought here? Look, I, I'm going to give everyone some homework. Okay, I I, I think um, I think what one should do is is line this business up against um, Aussie broadband. Go and have a look at some of their presentations, and if you're that way inclined, just just run through their accounts quickly um, over a couple of years. And it's a great example of a awfully managed, um, poorly thought out um, business in spirit and a wonderfully managed, uh, thoughtfully um, rolled out business in Aussie broadband. You, you could not get to more stark um, differences. Um, this, this is uh, – I have very little – positive to say about this to team, but that won't stop me. I'm still going to go on. Look, um, this $120 million in revenue and they're still making um, a loss. Um, the thing that really got my got me going though was that um, they re- they're reporting these um, underlying EBITDA numbers and in those underlying EBITDA numbers, they, they deliberately have a line item that um, adds back the, um, the millions of dollars in share-based compensation and I'd, I'd love to look the board and management in the eye and, and ask them, like, in what universe uh, is a share-based compensation not a real expense? And how can you exclude them from your profit line? It's just, mm. it's incredible. I know that's the norm in the US. I know big American companies get away with doing it every day. It's not the norm in Australia. Most Australian businesses do not do it. No decent Australian business does it. And that, for me, is an automatic sell, and um, management gets uh, gets their name in my little black book of, cool. uh, of 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 businesses and people to avoid. You do it's not a want to be in Gorab's um, black book. Yep. Yep. <laughs> no, no, you, you certainly don't. Uh, I mean, at what point is this? Is this? I mean, I just don't see how this can make money. Um, yeah. Sell, avoid, close the door, lock it up, never look at it again. Run away. And, and, okay. Yeah. Thank you. Let's get on to the next one. This is. Aura Banda Mining, picked by James. He said, what do you think about Aura Banda Mining based in the gold fields now out of Kalgoorlie? Understands that the Siberia site is currently opening out and is moving towards an underground program. Share price, he reckons, looks good for what's currently happening. But is there a chance for it to go higher in the future with that underground program planned? What do you think, Gaurav? Yeah, I, I, good. it's a sharp question from the viewer. I think they, they know what they're talking about here. Yes, I, I think this is um, this is probably a turnaround in the making. Um, Aurobanda, if you just look at it, it, it looks like a disaster. And in fact, this, this mine <laughs> has been a disaster for a long time. I remember this um, years ago. There was a, a shark who, who was selling this mine. I won't name him, but it was, his, his business went bust. Um, this mine was the basis of it. And he was just, um, he raised a lot of money and lost a lot of money. And it was all based on this mine. It's gone through an extensive life. It's been passed along. Um, it, it's a bit of a disaster. So usually my rule is um, when you come across mining assets, and in particular gold assets, that have been passed around from one bankruptcy to another. You just don't want to get involved. I would say this one may be a little bit different because um, ex-Northern uh, Star staff um, have taken over this company and they've already done some of the stuff you'd want to see in a turnaround. They've sold um, unwanted territory. They've consolidated the tenement base. Um, they fixed up some of the, the balance sheet issues. Um and they've come up with a new mining plan. They're taking the, the business underground. There appears to be better economics underground. I mean, there's still a little bit of work to do here. This is not a done deal, but um, interesting find. Yeah, I, I, I look, I agree. I, I'd be holding this, and and uh, this might make an interesting speculation. Um, I'm going to go hold here, but but Daniel might have might be braver than me. This is not a, a, a terrible idea. There's a there's a turnaround taking place, and and a very decent management team at the helm here. I'll be watching this with interest. Okay, watching with interest. Thank you. What do you mm. think, Daniel? 
Well, I was hoping I would go first on this stock and perhaps add a bit of value, but now Gaurav's hit the nail on the head. So Luke Cree came in, I think, in the last year, uh, former COO at Northern Star, and I think so far, if you've followed the merger between Northern Star and Saracen and followed where all the directors have gone to, I would say most of them have done really well and and mm. made good money at the moment. So perhaps that could be a sign. But um, you know, previous management. Yeah, that they, they unfortunately did raise a lot of very dilutive capital. They had to bring in um, a, a pretty activist shareholder in Hawks Point who's done really well with turnaround projects on the ASX, by the way, if you follow them. Um, and now Luke's come in and has a completely different strategy. So it's all about uh, adding tons to the mill. And they have a decent-sized mill there. It was built in the early 2000s, like I've said. So it needed a lot of investment and refurbishment and added some crushing capacity there too. Uh, but if they can increase the tons there and especially increase the grade through underground, you know, you're going to get significant improvement in cost. You're going to get significant improvement in in, in, um, in returns there. So if you look at the recent quarterly, um, it's everything you don't want to see. From a yeah, mining, it's quarter. a disaster. Cost, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the <laughs> costs were over three thousand dollars an ounce, mm-hmm. Australian. So you know, loss making at the moment. But keep an eye on on the guidance and the comments. So they've done a lot of pre um, stripping in, in terms of capital at their open pits. So they're looking now to reduce the strip ratio, which means they should be mining um, at a much more profitable rate going forward. That, that's the first mm-hmm. thing. If you see that not come through at the next quarterly report, I, I think you'd be quite concerned. And they've already invested a lot um, in, in building out the decline in the underground there. So, you know, and, and they had about 50 mil to go in exploration and capital costs. The fact that they sold um, their lithium tenements to, to West Farmers to raise 30 mil, the fact that they sold the tenements of Lady Ia to raise another 10 mil, uh, I think that's a really good positive if I was a shareholder in the company because now you're not going to have to go back to the market. Potentially you might, but not in the same size as you would have been because you know they're not bringing in much cash flow from the mm-hmm. operation. So similar to Gaurav, if I was in this, I'd certainly be holding and waiting to see that next quarterly. Uh, I think you can put a potentially a bit of a spec buy on this. You know, it's mm-hmm. 300 mil market cap, small net cash position. Uh, but if they can kind of hit their targets, over 100,000 ounces per annum, and probably make over 500 bucks an ounce at current spot prices, you know, you can quickly see a very fast uh, cash flow period okay. coming, coming to the company. So yeah, were we going it. to go yeah, for I'm, a specy buy? buy? Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm okay. going to do it as well. Yeah, let's do it. Specy <laughs> buy on this Monday. Let's do it. I would, I would have, love, yeah. I'd love to see the uh, investment committee talk about it, though. Like, I just don't think, um, <laughs> you, because like, the quarterly is such a disaster. I, I'd love to see uh, Ben's face as he opened it up and <laughs> there's, there's a $3,000 an ounce loss. And it's just, it I'm going to text great. him and yeah, make sure he listens to this episode. Okay, guys, yeah. let me be quick because we're running a bit behind. Sorry, Koshi. Okay, let's get to the stock of the day, ASX. It's a hold for both of my guests. Um, look, it's a relatively positive step, and uh, what Gorev's looking for is just stabilization around this project. But both say that it's a valuable asset. Origin. This is watch list. If it, that bid is rejected, if the share price falls further for Daniel, it is a sell half now for Gorev. Um, he reckons that the business needs to be broken up, but it's an interesting one. Okay, Deep Yellow. It's a sell take profits for Daniel. Gorov, it's not a uranium bull, so he would sell. Let's get to Kozol. Well, an interesting company. Fascinating, actually, Gorov called it, but he's putting it on the watch list. He needs to understand this business better. Um, again, Daniel says it's interesting. One to watch, not a buy. Spirit Technology, it's an absolute stinking sell from Gorov, and it's a big avoid from Daniel as well. And Aura Abandoned Mining, well, glad you asked. We've got our first specy buy of the day, company I'd never heard of. Okay, portfolio, very quickly. We didn't do a lot with it last time around, ausbiz.com.au, if you want to check it out. We trimmed from MA Financial, added it to Challenger. So, performance, it's up by 10.3% on a cumulative return basis since its inception. Keep sending your requests. We'll keep doing this program, of course. All right, coming up, Corazon Mining, Rocks Resources, Premium, Select Harvests, and GR Engineering Services. My guests, Daniel Ortiz from The Stock Doctor and Gaurav Sodi from Intelligent Investor. Let's keep it going with Corazon Mining. This is for Sumit. He says, are they looking for the right metals in the right jurisdiction? An update on their drilling programs. What do they mean for shareholders? What about quality, volumes? Well, he's got a lot of questions here. What about balance sheet and the future potential business to generate shareholder returns? Basically, he wants to know everything you think about Carazon Mining. What do you think, Daniel? Uh, it- in the respective time, I'll keep it a bit brief. Yep. Previously, 
um, their portfolio, I probably wouldn't have been interested. It was a base metal, historic base metal um, asset in Canada. Um, you know, I, I probably wouldn't have been too interested, although some of the geology there and, and the, the grade of the nickel did look pretty good. Recently, they've actually moved into, like every other exploration company, uh, lithium in Western Australia and acquired some tenements in the eastern gold fields. And if you've followed lithium and you've followed the eastern gold fields, it's been almost like shark infested waters there um, with the amount of corporate activity going on. So, you know, if you're in the stock now, you're clearly chasing that story. Although keep in mind, you know, I don't think they'll be able to fund any drilling programs with the cash at the bank at the moment. And the fact that they're still kind of committed and the commentary saying that they still want to invest in in those other assets, you know, uh, I'm probably not as interested. If they were to raise capital and purely focus on perhaps those tenements, you know, it might be a bit more of an interesting story, more so from a market point of view. You know, it's not something Stock Doctor's going to invest in, but it could be a bit of a lottery ticket here. We've seen other companies like um, like Wildcat Resources. Azura is a little bit different because that that they've they've had some you know huge uh, true width hits there at, at their project, um, and, and I guess that's every speculator's dream, isn't it? So there could be something here. Just watch the cash of the bank, one and a half million, so they're going to have to raise, mm -hmm. uh, and potentially just watch the comments around their lithium asset. They've talked about uh, rock chip samples at a, at a, at a um, with a spodumene bearing pegmatite. You know, that doesn't mean that they've found something economic here. Just just keep that in mind and uh, potentially more so keep it as a speculative watch at the moment from my point of view. Okay, what do you think, Grav? Look, look first first of all, I, I just quickly say that the, the questions that the um, viewer is asking are just not appropriate for a business this size. You know, you, you don't need to know all that stuff for a $15 million lottery ticket. And, and you really need to understand, um, you know, the strategy needs to fit the, the business. This is not a, a buy, hold, forever kind of stock. This is, I mean, they've just found some rock chip samples. You know, rock chip samples are when the when the MD walks around with a little hammer in his pocket <laughs> and chips away at the rock. This, this is what my sent, kids and, find at the park yeah, on the weekend. Yeah. Exactly. This this is really unsophisticated stuff. And they've only found the host rock. I mean, there's not even any lithium here yet, you know. So, but, but Daniel's right. The, the Eastern gold, a lot of gold, um, gold ground, um, you know, the, the Miners used to avoid the, the pegmatite, the, the lithium-bearing host rock, and now they're kind of re-looking at it again, and and um, and, and other billionaires are looking at it again, and and that's that's the play here. Like you're hoping that someone else is going to take a look at this and and want a piece of that that pegmatite action. This is not this is not a company you need to know all that detail about. You just if you want to play the lottery ticket, fine, go ahead. But that's what you're doing. This is a $15 million business with $1 yeah. million in the bank. You're not going to get much drilling out of it. So not my game, avoid. But if you All want right. to do it, then, then understand what you're doing. Yeah. Thank you. All right, let's get to the next company then. And mm. this is uh, Rocks Resources, RXL. Gaurav? Rocks, yeah, it's, it's changed a lot. Um, I don't think this was a gold business last time I looked at it, but that was a long time ago. Um, Daniel, not sure how familiar you are with this one, but I've looked at it for a long time. Um, it's it's now got um, a, a potential gold mine. Um, look, I don't know too much about it, but I, I will say that there's some good-looking drill hits. Um, but the the issue really is with that that they're dealing with refractory ore, and and that's just a a fancy word for gold that's deeply and locked into rocks with a lot of complexity. Mm -hmm. It makes the processing of the of the gold quite difficult. You can't just um, use a conventional gold processing circuit you need to add something x um it could be like a high pressure um oxidization um, an acid leach a bacterial leach you have to do something expensive to get that gold out and it just makes it hard for a little business to do that what's interesting about this company they proposed um uh, producing a concentrate i've never seen a gold concentrate produced unless it's like with a copper gold and that's not what they're, they're talking about, a pure gold mm -hmm. concentrate. That's kind of interesting. Never seen that before. Um, but yeah, look, I generally, my general rule is to avoid refractory ore, uh, ore bodies. You do miss out sometimes. There are some really big ones. Um, the gray, I think, is the big one at the moment. They have a huge 10 million ounce monster mm -hmm. refractory ore. It's worth billions. So you miss out, but you also miss out on the disasters and sort of eight out of 10 of these things don't work out. So look, it's up to you about your risk profile. For, for me, um, there's a lot of complexity here. I've, I've never seen a, a gold concentrate. So I don't know what the market is or or how that works, how pricing works. Yep. Um, it's just too hard. I'm going to go avoid. Okay, there you go. Can we keep this one short, Daniel on Rocks Resources? Buy, hold, sell today. 
uh, we wouldn't be in it, but it is something that I, I would actually follow. It's quite interesting, and they've got the right man for the job. So if you look at Robert Ryan's details and his background, his history, he's got a lot of experience working um, with refractory ore bodies, and I think he was actually appointed by the administrators of Waluna who uh, who succumbed to the, yeah. the issues of refractory ore bodies. So uh, perhaps, you know, watch his strategy going forward, but uh, similar to Gaurav, there's a lot of issues, and refractory ore body means if you're obviously, you know, producing the gold – very high capital costs this business wouldn't be able to, to raise that type of money so um perhaps if you like or i said the concentrate story mm-hmm. is interesting it's low arsenic so it's perhaps amenable for that uh but no nothing nothing we'd be buying at, at any hastily point at this point in time thank you all right let's get to the next on the list that one was for philip by the way this one is for norman norman information only not specific financial advice. You need to take your consider- your circumstances into consideration. All right, so we've got premium up next for Norman. Um, Ordmanet has a buy recommendation on the stock. It says that net flows were pretty solid in the last uh, period. Um, it expects to see a turnaround in power wrap to prove a catalyst for the share price going forward. Daniel? Yeah, so uh, we're not really too positive on premium. There are a lot of groups and a lot of analysts out there that that do see significant value in premium it's hard to follow because the business has had a few transactions and, and changed over the last few years and that that's mean that the accounts are a little bit annoying and tricky to go through as well especially if you look at the tax line um, but from our point of view that the main justification or thesis for premium is probably the fact that it trades at significantly lower valuations than its peers and potentially could be a takeover target I mean both NetWealth and Hub um, have stated now quite firmly and publicly that they're no longer interested in taking a look at premium. Um, and I think the fact that half of its kind of farm or, or funds under administration is actually more on the administrative services side, which is, I think, only a small handful of key clients and, and lower um, lower revenue margins. So there could be a story here with the SMA account growth. There could be a story with PowerApp. But you know, I'm just not sure and I'm not convinced purely on the valuation story. So uh, I think we'd still be happy to be out of this one. If you held it, I'd certainly hold it to see the upcoming result because potentially you could get a bit of shareholder return there that's you know very good balance sheet, uh, could be cash flow mm-hmm. positive coming back to shareholders. But other than that, you know, I'm not too interested in premium at the moment. How about you, Gaurav? Yeah, no, I'm nodding my head. I completely agree. I, I, most people I speak to about this stock, um, I, I think, get this one wrong as well because it's got some very strong competitors and they line it up against the competitors, um, Net Wealth and Hub, and they look at that PE and say, oh, it's, it's cheaper. Mm-hmm. Why not buy this one? I think that's a mistake. Daniel's outlined exactly why that's a mistake. The the, the revenue breakout, breakdown is completely different and it's a, it's a, a business that's going to earn lower margin permanently. Um, and uh, the, the one reason you would buy it was because it might have been a takeover target. I think that's gone as well. I wouldn't be as patient with this. This is a sell for me. Um, we've looked at net wealth in the past and, mm-hmm. and thought that's a really good business. Don't own it yet, but it sits on the watch list. Um, okay. That might be something to look at. Well, thanks, guys. Um, next on the list, select mm-hmm. harvest almonds, primarily almonds. Um, depends on what the almond price is globally, doesn't it? Depends what weather's doing here at home. And of course, demand as well. So, Gorev, Select Harvest SHV. I'm going to be very unhelpful here. I, I just, I do not buy agricultural stocks. I, I don't like blanket rules. I think blanket rules. Um, I, I don't like them. I try and avoid them. A lot of people have them. I, I don't have one except this one. I think if you if you if you did, if you avoided all agricultural stocks, um, you would have done really really well actually. Um, so uh, that's one I'm quite happy to maintain. And the reason is that the, the weather factor. Like I. I don't want an investment where I'm going to have to worry about if it rains too much or doesn't rain enough or what happens in California. I just, I don't want to do that. I want to, I'd rather worry about rocks or, or a proper business, you know? Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to say, I'm going to use NFI and say, I have no freaking idea. I'm sorry. Um, I'm okay. not, not going to speculate on that one. Yeah. All right, Victoria, there you go. Uh, let's get a view from Daniel. Cause I've got to say they did report last week and they are saying that demand should match production, that we've got a strong El Nino summer. So the forecasts are looking pretty good as far as production goes. Is that enough to bring you on side? Yeah, so FY23, really bad year, uh, flood impacted year. So volumes are terrible. If you look at the accounts, some of the worst numbers you would ever see. Um, and perhaps to the producers, let's be a bit kinder on the businesses we're presenting in one week. 
there's just so many difficult accounts this week. But similar to Gaurav, it's very hard to follow. Uh, FY24 should be a much better year based on what they're saying in terms of the crops and the yields. Um, but then again, it seems like there's a lot more volume coming out of the US, which means it's putting pressure on almond prices. So I, I like the accumulation of assets. Even if you look at the balance sheet, like a lot of these companies, agricultural companies on the ASX have kind of been stripped clean of the ownership. And Select Harvest does have you know a significant amount of freehold land. They have a large amount of water rights the balance sheet too so there's interesting factors here but at this price i'd probably sell um and potentially look to buy on maybe an an nta play uh rather than a recovery story thank you guys okay last on the list can't believe we're here already this is for paul Hmm. he says i'm looking to increase his dividend yield and would greatly appreciate thoughts on gr engineering services the ticker code is g and G Mining Services have been picking up contracts most recently with Evolution. Also, pretty high percentage of Insta shareholders on the register, and it doesn't have very big debt. So would it be a suitable dividend play? And this is context as well that I think is um, interesting is because he says we're, we're repro- approaching retirement age. Gaurav, would you be buying an engineering mining services company for a dividend? Uh, no, you know the answer to that, Nadine. No, um, anything cyclical is is not a dividend stock. Um, so, uh, for that, you know, like it's it's. I'm not going to engage in personal advice, as you know, Nadine. Mm-hmm. You need to do your spiel at some point. I in think the, I did. I think I did. I'll do it okay, again. Sorry, I missed advice. it. I missed yeah. it. <laughs> um, I've actually I've actually owned GR Engineering in the past and and done relatively well of it. It's a good cyclical stock. Um, it's run by uh, three or four. Uh, guys who own big chunks of of um, of equity, their ownership is more important than any institution you might come across. Mm-hmm. Um, they run this business really well. GR Engineering makes processing plants for for mineral processing, mostly gold miners. They're well known in the gold mining industry for making maybe the the best processing plants in the business, and a decent decent quality business. But that happens to be chronically and <laughs> famously cyclical. So you, you want to buy this um, along with the gold mining cycle um, and it's an exposure to gold mining volumes. Um, and uh, and it, it, it relates to how much equity uh, gold miners can raise and how much uh, projects they can get up and running. So it's it's a good stock to buy at the right time of the cycle. Um, I, I'm going to go for a hold at, at this point. This is certainly not a dividend stock. You know, this is... This is not a dividend stock. So if that's the reason you're thinking about buying this, do not buy this. But for if you just want a, a cyclical exposure to gold, this is I, – I, when I bought this, I bought this instead of buying a gold mine. I often think economics of gold mining is just not very good. They just don't generate a lot of free cash flow. Um, and, and this was at the time and, and at the right price. This is a, a great business. So I'm going to go hold. Um, keep this one on your watch list. It's a nice little business. Because what you're saying is you'd like to pay less for it. Is that same goes for you, Daniel? Uh, look, it's probably more of a of a strategic timing thing with a company like um, GR Engineering. So yes. similar with Gorav, they are a, they are a quality operator and very high inside ownership from back in the days when it was founded. Uh, I think it's like fifty percent owned by founders and directors. So you know they they manage the company quite um, conservatively. They do take on you know a few projects, and if you read a lot of resource companies announcements, a lot of the times they're getting GR engineering to do the EPC work or build the concentrator, et cetera. So they, they land good work and they land really good quality work as well with with good companies. So, um, you know, uh, same with Gaurav, it, right point in the cycle when you're looking to get that leverage to a rising uh, resource market, I'd probably look at these guys as one of the key ways to play it uh, because you're not taking on too much further idiosyncratic risk. So with some of the other services companies, you're, you're taking on a lot of risk that you might not actually know what's going on in those projects. And what you're saying, Daniel, is, blow up. Is, is most services companies are crap and this one is not, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that one I down. Right. Perhaps, I was, uh, <laughs> perhaps I've been a bit too nice, but um, yeah, I would say that's my sentiment as well with GR. So I wouldn't be in the stock at the okay. moment, um, but certainly for the right time, this is a one to have in your watch list. Take it off the bench. Okay, guys, I've got my verdicts here. We've got Karazhan Mining. That was, uh, no, it's a $15 million lottery ticket in Gaurav's view. And, uh, yeah, Specky Watch, watch list material at best for Daniel. Rocks Resources, uh, avoid it for now, but do watch it because it could be interesting. Um, Gaurav is avoiding Rocks Resources Premium. It's an avoid. It's also a sell for Gaurav. Uh, Don't think that it's cheap in that space against its very strong competitors. It's a completely different revenue makeup. Select Harvests, NFI for Gorav, 
FY24 should be better. Daniel's such a nice person, isn't he? But he would not be buying select harvests. GR Engineering, not now from Daniel. And to answer your question about it being a dividend stock, it's not. Cyclicals are not something you buy for consistent income when you're approaching retirement. And again, information only, not financial advice, but you did ask for an opinion. Okay, there you go. Guys, Daniel Ortizzi, the stock doctor, and Gaurav Sodi, intelligent investor. I love spending time with you guys. Thank you so much on this Monday afternoon. We'll see you soon. It's a great team. Thank you. Yeah, Thanks, it was. Thanks good. Yeah, good show. All right. Um, if you have any questions for our expert guests, please do send them to us, osbiz.co forward slash call picks. Now, pretty positive day for the market overall so far. We'll get you across the latest in just a tick. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.